Welcome back to D-Cup, the Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. Each week we rewatch a Disney Channel original movie and discuss the good, the bad, and the cringy in an attempt to create the ultimate DCOM ranking. This week we're discussing the Disney Channel 2021 remake of the classic 1997 film of the same name, Under Wraps. Megan, hit us with that summary. Three preteens accidentally revive a mummy they find in their creepy neighbor's basement, and they must help return him to his sarcophagus by midnight on Halloween, or he will turn to dust and his soul will be lost forever. Wow. Wow, yeah. Where have I seen this before? <laughs> Crazy. Huh. So let's get into this. Yeah. Because we... We just watched. Just watched. It just came out, like, what, three weeks ago, I think? Yeah. 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 So this is brand new, a brand new DCOM. Yes. The most recent DCOM released. And obviously, neither one of us has seen it. So I, I doubt many, <laughs> I doubt many of you have seen it. <laughs> I want to hear your first impression going into this movie. Okay. So I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't want to go in with super low expectations or super high expectations. I kind of just, I was like, this will probably be just okay. And I really hoped that it wasn't like an exact copy of the original. You know, like I didn't want a shot for shot remake of Under Wraps 1997. So that was kind of where I was going into the movie. What about you? I, I was the same. Um, I was worried that it was going to be a carbon copy mm-hmm. just because it was the very first DCOM and it's not super notable in, you know, the Disney DCOMs. But from the title picture on Disney Plus. Yeah, the poster. Yeah. I was like, this looks like it's going to be a little bit more silly. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so... You know, they're probably going to add some more modern takes, you know, phones, technology, stuff like that. That seems to be a big thing in remakes nowadays. But the first thing that caught my eye just from the poster was the zombies makeup. (laughs) Not the zombies. You're calling him a zombie, which he did look more zombie than mummy. Okay, exactly. It just it. It was so different from the original that I was like, huh, okay. Yeah, I was like, this is such a stark difference that I'm noticing it so much just from the poster that I'm like, I'll have to see how I feel about it during the movie. Yeah. But that was the first thing that caught my eye. And so I was interested to see the rest of the movie and see how much changed. Yeah. So uh, this movie doesn't have a tomato meter. But it does have an audience score of 43%, which is bad on Rotten Tomatoes. And I guess we're going to get into it, in my opinion, a little too high of a score. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. can't disagree. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a generous 43. Um, but I digress. So, uh, this movie was written by William Robertson and Alex Zam, and they appear to be a bit of a writing duo. They have written several things together, but most notable 
is My Date with the President's Daughter. Do you remember that one? I loved that movie. Yeah, I did too. Um, we're going to have to do any it. Time. Yeah, I would watch yeah. that any time it was on. Yeah, it's not technically a DCOM. It's Wonderful World of Disney, but we're definitely still going to watch it and review it. Um, they also wrote Inspector Gadget 2. Yes. <laughs> not not Inspector Gadget. It's the second one that does not have Matthew Broderick in it. Oh. I'm sorry, that was me. I love Inspector Gadget. Yeah, um, I need to watch it. I haven't seen Inspector Gadget since I was probably like seven. That was like a staple of my childhood. Yeah, for sure. So um, the movie is directed by Alex Zam, who is one of the co-writers of the movie. And he kind of has a track record of uh, directing some of their co-writing projects. So he directed My Date with the President's Daughter and Inspector Gadget 2. He also directed Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, Tooth Fairy 2, and Jingle All the Way 2. So... <laughs> sequels and remakes is yeah what i'm hearing sequels to hit movies so <laughs> that's his thing but this is the biggest one when i saw this credit on his imdb i almost pooped because <laughs> this man alex zam directed the netflix movie a christmas prince shut up <laughs> i love the Christmas Prince trilogy. I am a big fan of the Netflix Christmas movie cinematic universe because they're all connected. There's a theory. Um, and I also want to make it clear. I love Christmas Prince because it is horrible. It is horrendous. <laughs> it is so bad that it makes me cackle with joy. I watch it every year. I love A Christmas Prince, Christmas Prince Royal Wedding, and Christmas Prince Royal Baby. It's just such a fun like trilogy to watch because of how tragic it is. It's so bad. <laughs> but you can't help but have a great time watching it. Truly just amazing. Such a fun time. Uh, if you haven't seen the Christmas Prince movies uh, and you're a big fan, as we are, of, like, movies that are so bad that they're good, highly recommend. Yes, please watch them all. <laughs> and then you'll definitely fall into the Netflix Christmas movie cinematic universe with all the Vanessa Hudgens Christmas Switch movies. Same. <laughs> yeah. With Vanessa Hudgens as the lead. Yeah, a Princess Switch. That's what it's called. So, yeah, Christmas Prince. And you know what? That fits this. That it tracks. Does that it not? makes sense? Yes. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of like general notes. Do you want to just kind of hop into positives unless you have some general notes? No, I also don't have many general notes. So yeah, let's just go into what we liked about this movie. Yeah. Um, why don't you start? So they added some backstory to this movie that I liked. I ga I think it gave a little more to the story. Um, specifically, the mummy being stolen from the museum. I think in the yeah. original, them kind of ending up at the museum was a little random and um, Kubot having the mummy was a little random. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, it was... It had a purpose. Yeah. But... 
this one kind of connected it all in a smoother way than I think the original did. I think they just added some backstory with not only the museum, but also with Amy, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, uh, overall, I kind of liked Amy better in this movie than I did in the original, which uh, if you remember from last week, pretty much the only thing that we didn't like in the original was Amy. <laughs> um, and uh, I I did think that it was better. And I, I liked that, um, you know, she came in, she was new in town. We learned a little more about her family, um, which I will say I liked the representation that they gave through Amy's family, but I don't think they went about it in the best way. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> like, I appreciate the effort, but we could have done a lot better. <laughs> yeah. It, like, I'm glad they mentioned it and, like, gave some representation, but, like, where are the characters? Like, can you yeah, show so the if, representation? Uh, I'm sure none of you watched this movie, so we'll tell you what we're talking about. Amy uh, comes in, and it's, like, the first scene we see her. She mentions that she has two dads who are divorced, and then she has a stepdad who she calls Step Dave, which I didn't like that. (laughs) Um, But, like, she mentions that. And uh, I think first she mentions, like, two dads, and the character's like, huh? And then she's like, my two dads got divorced, and now I'm here with my my dad and my step Dave. And like, she has like a little, um, like rainbow pin on, which I liked that addition on her costume. However, it was just so clunky to me and it felt very shoehorned in and forced. I would have rather she not mentioned her gay dads at all and instead have a scene where you see them. Yeah. You know, me too. Like, I don't, Like, the gay representation doesn't have to be explained. You can just show it, (laughs) like how you show, like, heterosexual parents. You can just see a... I would have loved a sweet scene of Amy and her step Dave. Yeah. Like, I think that would have been so sweet and helped move the Marshall accepting his stepfather plot along better. I completely agree. I wanted to see it more than hear about it. Um... Yeah, because when you hear about it, it just sounded so clunky. Yeah. And now, was I expecting that in this film? No. And it was a nice little surprise. Could they have done it better? Yes. But I was like, there's something. And I like that. Um, And I'm glad they did it. I also Mm -hmm. liked that they had Amy in a similar situation as Marshall. Yeah, I did like that as well. Yeah, and I think having someone your own age who has also gone through it, it's a little easier to understand, or maybe not understand, but to take it in when someone your own age is talking to you about it, you know? Um, Yeah. And she actually, one of my notes was the moment where she's talking to him about her dad's and the divorce and how it was hard for her to accept um, Step Dave and I I liked that moment. I was like, this is a genuinely nice moment for these characters. Yeah, I loved it too. And I think uh I think I would have liked the term Step Dave if we had seen Step Dave mm-hmm. and actually because she saw she says that like she and Step Dave are super close now. I would have loved to have seen them interact because I think then we could have seen how Step Dave was more of a term of endearment. Yeah. 
rather than just like a like kind of a cringy throw-in line. Right. Right. I agree, but I I think that addition as well as like the moment she had with Marshall and kind of more of her backstory was nice to have in this movie. I think it made her more likable. Yeah. In this one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um let's see. I so this is something that I liked was um I liked that they didn't shoehorn in an unnecessary love story between Amy and Marshall. Yes, absolutely. 110%. Props to them for not doing that. Yes. I was so happy to see that was gone in this storyline. Um I was a little afraid yeah. especially at the beginning when they they introduced her as a new character or like a new kid at school. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, is that how they're going to build up the romance thing? Because they're getting to know each other. And I was like, oh, I yeah. hope that doesn't happen. And the fact that it didn't made me so relieved. <laughs> yeah, because it, first of all, they added a lot of things to this movie that didn't need to be yeah. there, there where there was too much going on and it just would have pushed it over the edge if they tried to add in a romance with Amy and Marshall. Absolutely. I completely agree. <laughs> um, I also, this is just like some individual moments mm-hmm. that I liked. Um, I enjoyed the scene where the mummy walks by a mirror and sees himself. And he doesn't realize that it's him at first. And then when he does, I thought that was interesting. Something that they could play around with of like this guy not knowing what he looks like anymore. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. And in that same like time frame in the movie, uh, they added in. So, you know, in the original, we see Harold bumping into 1990s technology like a skateboard <laughs> and, you know a clipboard and the hospital and all this. But in this movie, we see him with an Alexa and a Roomba. Right. And I thought that that was really an interesting choice. I thought it was a really great idea. Those are really cool things that we have now that would freak a mummy out. However, I don't think they were executed well. Like, I don't think the ideas were executed very well, but I thought that the premise of the idea was really cool and interesting. I can definitely say I was afraid of how they would use technology in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I was very relieved to see that the three main kids did not have phones. Um, I was too. I was glad that their only way of using a phone was either through a parent or Buzzy, the um, mm-hmm. store owner. And so they didn't have that I guess, connection to technology so easily, which I find is a big hindrance in a lot of remakes is them putting way too much technology into them. And then it takes it out of the story because it's just a little too easy. Um, But I did like how they use technology with Harold and him interacting with it and trying to understand what's going on and how it works and how it exists. Yeah, and they picked, like, the perfect items, Mm -hmm. like a TV and Alexa and a Roomba. Those were great things for him to kind of bump into. Yeah, absolutely. A few of the moments Uh, that... A few of the moments that I liked, um, there was a moment that made me giggle, and it was because it was when Gilbert was 
reinforcing to Marshall that they are 12 years old and they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> I That is a really funny I moment. I loved that moment. Like he was drilling in. He's like, we are 12. <laughs> he said one, two. Yeah, I was like, the self-awareness <laughs> is fantastic in this moment. Yeah, you know what? That I think that was like one of the few times I really actually laughed in the movie. Yeah. And the other time that I laughed was when Harold was being dragged behind the bus and the kid just looks out and like waves at him. <laughs> I just <laughs> I forgot about that. I just that. thought it was such a funny small moment that this kid is not scared. This kid is not concerned. He's just like, "Hey, <laughs> nothing's wrong." <laughs> I just thought it was such a funny moment. Um yeah. But another moment that I liked was the female fighter. She, she was, was dope. so sick. I was like, I want more of she this. She really was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I thought it was so dope. We don't see her the entire movie. Like, literally, the, the rest of the goons are in the rest of the movie. But then, it, <laughs> like... An hour, 20 minutes, this girl shows up and just starts kicking Well, booty. you, like, see her in the corner of shots with, like, the lady mob boss. And so she's just kind of there. Yeah, oh, she's, like, her her security, right. I guess. Um, you're right. I didn't notice. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, I like having her there. Like, I think that she's interesting. And then she comes out with this, like, fight in the end and i was like this is so dope i love whatever is happening now <laughs> yeah it was really yeah. cool um uh you know who my favorite character who? was the haunted house vampire he was just trying to do his job <laughs> he was just doing his best <laughs> and they were all giving him so much crap <laughs> they were they were like not scary <laughs> and he he just wanted to go boop <laughs> and like, every time he would like come out and try to scare people they would always be like hey but actually like i'm not scared so can you just tell me like where to go or like what to do and he's yeah. like oh okay <laughs> i thought he played those moments really well he made me laugh he was my favorite character yeah he was so funny <laughs> i loved him and i mean the rule of threes was played perfectly with him i think he was the standout background character, for sure. Absolutely. Another small thing, um, the eye effect that they had when they took off the amulet. I liked that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I thought cool. that was a cool addition. You're right. Yeah. Speaking on that, that's my last thing that I liked. And it's the only like script note I have that I really, really liked was that amulet yeah. twist. So uh, if, you, if you're familiar with the first movie and not with this one, uh, they added a bit where Harold is wearing an amulet and if you take it off of him, he is not alive anymore. Like he kind of goes into mm -hmm. a coma of sorts and then you put it back on and he comes back to life. And so like Kubat knows his Egyptology and so he like takes it off and that's how they catch Harold to be able to like take him. And I thought that was a good yeah. addition. It was interesting and it solved the problem that we had last week where we were like, I don't get why they left Harold yeah. behind. And it was a clever way of incorporating yeah. the amulet, not just to match his like love mummy, I guess. Um, 
<laughs> but his love mummy. <laughs> I don't like that either, but it's what I thought of in the moment. Um, well, that's what we're calling it for the rest of the moot, for the okay, rest of this, um, ever. But I like that it added a different dimension to the amulet as well. I also yeah. thought the amulet was a lot cooler yeah. in the second movie. Or, like, the remake. I thought the front of it was. Yeah, the back of it was not well done. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a note. We'll get into that. Um. Well, why don't we just go ahead into it? I... <laughs> I've gone through my loves of this movie. I have some... I guess... I, I just want to... We'll start at the beginning of the movie. Okay. This movie starts exactly the same as Under Wraps 1997, but they did it yes. worse. Like, it starts with the fake movie, but there was nothing about the filming of those scenes that indicated that you are in a fake movie, like the original did. Um, And I just thought, like... The fake movie wasn't very good. It wasn't very campy. The monster was CGI, I think. Poorly CGI. And it wasn't scary. Like, the monster wasn't scary at all. Like, I didn't believe that Gilbert would be afraid. Yeah, the monster was just kind of, like, gross looking, but not, like, scary. It was just Yeah, it was very... It was so lame. You know, the monster looked like um, the boogers from the Mucinex yes, commercial. That's exactly what he looked like. And it, like <laughs> the monster didn't scare me or like, I don't know. It didn't feel like a scary movie monster. It just kind of felt uncomfortable. I was like, this is kind of gross. Yeah. Like, I just like don't want to look at this thing. Like, it just felt silly. It didn't feel like a spoof on a like a classic horror yeah. movie it just felt really and goofy and i just didn't buy it i didn't buy that horror fanatics would be a fan of it and i didn't buy that gilbert would be afraid yeah. of it. and i think in the f- original there was more suspense and in this one there wasn't yeah. at all and yeah and in the original they had a good balance of this is obviously a spoof, but also it could be yeah. kind of scary. Like, I wasn't scared of it, but, you know, they built that suspense and they, I don't know. It just, it, it wasn't well I, I agree. <laughs> I was not a fan of how this one started compared to the original. My biggest dislike of this movie was uh-huh. Amy teaching Marshall the lesson. I, I thought yeah. it, took away Harold's purpose. I think, yeah, like the background that they gave Amy gave her something more interesting. But in the original, Harold was the one who taught Marshall that like, you should be open and accepting, especially when like love's involved because it's, love's a good thing. And it's hard sometimes, but that's the whole lesson of the movie is for him to accept Ted. And yeah, the fact that Amy taught the lesson in this one, almost like, what was Harold there to do anyway? And I think it also... Just a break dance. Um, <laughs> I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but, and that goes into my second note. It didn't 
give us a connection to Harold at all. Like Marshall was just like, he's my friend now. And I'm like, but you have had nothing connecting you at all this entire movie. I think it would have been good if Amy was like helped with pushing that lesson, but to completely take any connection between him and Harold out of it, it's just, I don't know. And I I also didn't buy that Harold was in love with uh, yeah, his same. mommy lover. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that was something that you really had to believe in the first one in order to teach Marshall that lesson. And so you took that away and put it yeah. all on Amy. I feel like if we had had it primarily be Harold pushing that and then Amy adds some yeah. help because you know, she has the gift of language <laughs> that Harold correct. does yes, not. She does. <laughs> um but I you know, I agree with you and I didn't think of that. That's a really I, good point. I was just so disappointed. So I was I loved that in the first movie. And it just wasn't yeah. there this time. Um also A random small Mm -hmm. thing that I just thought about that I forgot to put in my notes, so I'm going to say it now. Harold doesn't have working organs. How is he eating this entire movie? (laughs) Well, in the... In the first one, he drinks an orange soda. But this one, they're so focused on food. They keep giving him food. Just hot sauce. And then... And then I, th- oh, pizza. I think Gilbert yeah, gives you're him right. something as well at the party. And and they focused a lot. You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> they just focused a lot on giving the mummy food. And I was like, how? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, why is this a focus? And then they give him the hot sauce at the end. And I'm like, what? why? <laughs> I just, yeah. I wasn't a fan of that. I guess to go off of your like your whole script note about like how they changed who teaches the lesson and you know taking away these parts of Harold and kind mm-hmm. of making him irrelevant this script had no heart in it yeah. at all there was nothing there that an audience could emotionally connect with and i think that's the script's fault completely i also thought that the script overall was boring i thought it was really lazy in some parts where you know in the uh not to constantly compare it to the original but like in the original they go find bruce at the haunted house and then bruce discovers the mummy in this they take the mummy to buzzy and just are like here's a mummy we found and then like she discovers it i feel like there were a lot of lazy parts And there was no nuance. Every single thing that they did was laid Mm -hmm. on so thick. Like in the beginning where Marshall is talking to his mom or his mom comes into his room and is like, it's been five years since we've been divorced and Ted is a great guy. And they have this, I think they were trying to establish a relationship with Marshall and his mom, but it was laid on so thick. And then like anything that Harold did, somebody had to narrate what he was doing out loud. Like we weren't allowed any discoveries at all. And they also gave away the love reveal. They did a lot. There was no, no revelations at all. You could, I guess the easiest way to say it is it was very predictable. And maybe that's because we have just watched the original 
But honestly, just the way the storyline was going, I was like, I don't think so. Okay, I can. There was no twist. There was nothing exciting or yeah. new that I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Like it was just kind of like, oh, this is what's happening, and I'm just gonna watch it unfold. Yeah. Which on that note, like about the love reveal. Um, so they say it in the beginning of the movie, before we even find Harold, the mummies are missing and it's like, these two were in love, but in, they, to cover up the fact that they can't say celibacy anymore, they changed it to a Romeo and Juliet Mm -hmm. storyline where they were like, their two families were rivals. And so then they were buried together by their servants. And that, that, (laughs) I don't buy that at all. That doesn't seem historically accurate. Also, you could cover up celibacy by just saying he never married. He took a vow to never marry. There are other ways around that (laughs) than like the Romeo and Juliet story. But yeah. Yeah, I think there was just a lot in this movie that I don't think was very necessary that they added. Um, And... Mm -hmm. Oh, oh. Oh, I have a list. (laughs) (laughs) I have a list called Things We Didn't Need. Please go through them. Would you like to... Do you want me to read? And we can can discuss together. So first thing I have is the bully. We didn't need him. He, uh, that, uh, they added this bully who's yeah. in like two scenes. I don't know. He's barely in the movie. Didn't need him. Um, we didn't need the, the older woman buyer yeah. of the mummy. Uh, didn't need her. When she entered, I literally said, who is this that freak with the octopus? the octopus made me so <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, I literally almost stopped watching the movie yeah. at that point because I did not like watching this woman eat octopus. It was so weird. Yeah. For those who don't know, they added this character. I think her name's like Ravenclaw or something. <laughs> Raven I don't remember something. what I can't her remember name either. is. <laughs> Raven something. They added this woman to so where Kubot is not the main villain. He is like, uh, he's a lackey for this woman who buys stolen artifacts. And they added her. She's in two or three scenes of the movie. We see her once and then we see her at the end. And she's introduced in her mansion and a full uncooked octopus is sitting in front of her. And then she eats one of the tentacles. In the most disgusting way. Like she just shoves it all into her mouth at once. And I hated it. I hated every second of that moment. I I just truly cannot. We didn't need her. Hated the purple-eyed panda. Didn't Did need, not that. need that whatsoever. Would you like to would you like to tell the listeners what so the purple-eyed panda was? Gilbert has this thing for a stuffed animal that is a purple-eyed panda that you win by playing a ring toss game. And he's been trying so hard to win it. And he for years, like it's his For mission years. in life to win this purple-eyed panda. And so at the Halloween dance, he has a chance to win this purple-eyed panda. He doesn't <laughs> at the dance. Um, but then <laughs> later in the movie, they use his terrible ring toss skills um, to help get the amulet back on Harold. 
of course it works for that moment, but not for his life purpose of getting the purple-eyed panda. No. Yeah, um, didn't need that. And then uh, my last thing that we didn't need, their class yeah. movie that they tried to make. Uh, they, like, they're... They, you see them in school a lot more in this movie, and I guess it's their Egyptian history unit, and... Marshall wants them to make a movie for a class project and use Harold in it. Okay, that we didn't need that it. That leads it was me too many things. One of my biggest annoyances of this movie. There are no stakes in this movie until fifty minutes in at all. I literally paused it <laughs> when they figured out that they had to get him in the sarcophagus at midnight, and that was at the fifty-minute mark. This movie is an hour and a half. You're kidding. I was so mad because I was waiting. I was like, where are the stakes? Like, because they're making this movie with this mummy. I'm like, when does he turn to dust? Like, this is a big deal. And it took 50 minutes to get to it. Yeah. And they didn't even like have no. the whole Kubot fakes his death thing. So you didn't have that layer to add stakes before you find yeah. out that Harold could turn to dust. Like, Kubot is fully alive this whole <laughs> no, movie, and, also, and I hated it. I feel like what they did keep from the original, they sped through so quick, and then they didn't have Kubot fake his death. So there was, everything was just too easy. <laughs> it, they just, like, they they saw yeah, Kubot take out this so body-shaped, like, bag and take it into his house. I was like, okay. First, they already know who stole it when they find out that the mummy's been stolen. It's so easy. And yeah. I was disappointed because, one, we didn't get the twist of Kubat having faked his death. And two, I just felt like they were like stumbling in to all the answers so quickly. Yeah. Also, we didn't get the amazing <laughs> yes. tax fraud plot line. Because Kubot was a lackey yeah. for the one percent. I was pissed. I loved the running from the IRS. I loved that, <laughs> and the fact that they. <laughs> I love tax evasion. Hmm. They're they're gonna play that in court for me one day. <laughs> um, the thing that I hated the most. This is my biggest. Negative for the entire film. There is not a single beat in this entire movie. Like, quite literally, like I wrote down, does anyone in this mo movie know what a beat is? Because every single line is said, bam, 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 right after one another. And I'm not exaggerating. There was not a pause to breathe from start until five minutes in the movie, and then from five minutes to the end of the movie. Every single thing was one after the other. There was no no time yeah. for a breath. I was exhausted watching this because you had no time for anything to rest on you. And that's why, like, not a single joke in the entire film landed because there were no beats for it to land on you. And not a single emotional moment landed because they there were, were no sprinting beats in through the this whole movie film. in every single aspect of it. 
Yeah. And like that, that is what made me so upset the whole movie is because it was just so exhausting. Nothing landed. And I, you know, I keep saying there were no beats, but I'm just so baffled because I don't think I've ever seen a movie where there was not a single beat in the entire film. And that's why there was no emotional connection to the movie. You didn't have time to have yeah. one. I didn't have time. Usually, like, when I watch these movies, I really don't pause to write my notes. I had to pause because if I was writing, I missed the next seven lines of dialogue. Yeah. Because everything went so quick. And that is an acting thing, but I am putting that fully on the director. <laughs> because, like, that... I mean, these are children. You know? They're gonna do what they're told. And... I, the acting I thought wasn't great, but I could tell that these kids had the ability to do so much more. And I just don't think that the script gave them that. And I don't think the director gave them that. There was just there was no room to watch them act because we had to get every single line of dialogue. They took all the air out of this movie. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And I like one of my notes towards the end is Marshall's abrupt change of heart for Ted. It was so jarring. And I think it's because they didn't give him a moment to decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him a chance. It was more just like, okay, this is happening right now. Like there's no yeah. decision making. There's no choice. It's just, okay, we're moving on to that. So it's happening. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was jarring to watch and it was a There's lot just, and it didn't hit the way it should have because there was of that. No, there was no acting between the lines yeah. at all. Yeah. Nothing there. And like that, uh, that's the director, that's them editing all those lines, bam, 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 right together. Mm -hmm. It was just, I, I mean, that moment that you talk about, I was just so exhausted by the end of the movie that I didn't really give it much thought because I was like, of course, this is how this happens because this is how everything happens. There's no, there just was no dynamics in any of the acting performances. And again, I like all on the direction of the movie. Yeah, and the thing is, we will never know if there were beats in this because they could have easily just edited them out, you know? Yeah, I mean, that it really like reinforces the idea of good editing <laughs> in this. Yeah. And like also the editor could have been good and the director could have told them that. There's so many places where this note could have gone wrong. And I don't know where it is, but it happened and it was just it was so unfortunate because I think had that been different, this movie could have been so much better. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And something that stuck out to me throughout this movie um Harold's physical comedy was overdone a lot of the time. Lack. And yeah. well, what really got me was it was inconsistent movements and it was yeah. stereotypical. The arms always being out in front. He, there are moments where his arms are down by his side. He can put them down and walk like that. But Normal. he <laughs> yeah. goes into the stereotypical mummy walking around with his arms out all the time. And then he break dances and then goes back to doing that. I'm like, there's no need. Like just, I understand no. like waddling or like walking different. Cause you're like in, you know, the wrapping or whatever, but 
Well, and your mummified body, your bones, the muscles are going to be stiff. I I get that. (laughs) But it was something that was just so inconsistent throughout the movie that it took me so far out of it. Because I was like, what what is happening here? Um, And I the the whole dance scene needed to be cut (sighs) that whole I. I understand like the actor who played the mummy is a dancer and he he can dance but I think he was so out of place in this movie. Yeah, I I am okay with keeping it in just because I think the children would like it. However, I agree with you. I didn't like the continuity of his physicality where he can't walk and then suddenly he can break dance and then he can't walk again. If they had maybe like shown him coming back into his body gradually over the course of the movie to the point where he could break dance, the the words I'm saying are nuts. Um, (laughs) But and then like he's more fluid after that. I could get more on board with. I just... Um, while we're talking about the yeah. mummy, one, I wish he was taller. I liked that in the first one, he was like crazy mm-hmm. tall. It gave an extra layer to that character. Um, also, the acting of the mummy, he acted more like a dog than a person. Yes. Yeah, it, and it's something I kept saying throughout the movie, because I, I watched this movie with my mom. And so, you know, we were talking as <laughs> the movie was going on. And I was like, why does he, it's so animalistic. Like, why is he moving like that? Like, why is he reacting in an animalistic yeah. way? Like, he's a human. Like, I understand he's a mummy, but I feel like he's not reacting Yeah. And not just like his physical reactions. The mummy sounded like a pug. Yeah. The whole movie. Like if you've ever heard a pug try to breathe, (laughs) that's what this mummy sounded like. It didn't sound like a person who didn't have a tongue or, you know, muscles try to like, like, I really liked the grunts and the noises that um, Patrick Star Herald (laughs) made. As opposed to these, like, uh, ADR'd pug noises that this guy was making. And I also, talking about Harold, his makeup was so off for me. (gasps) It looked like, Mm. it it looked like an ape, if you, like, looked at it really closely. He looked, so they got the coloring right. Because, like, I looked up, like, what mummies look like. And from the first movie to this one, the coloring is correct. Like, a mummified body is, like, darker. Yeah. But he looked too juicy to be a mummy. Mummies are dehydrated. (laughs) No, my thing was, why was his mouth so disfigured? One. Yeah, he had, like, a snaggletoothed underbite. Yeah, and it, like, it was so distracting. It didn't make sense. It didn't fit. And the whole time I was like, he looks like an animal, not like a human. Yeah. And I couldn't get past that. And then he was also acting in a very animalistic thing. And I was like, "Is I, this feels like a big choice that was made that I don't feel is right. I don't either because you need the mummy to be human at his core 
so that you can learn from him and he can impart these lessons of love to the kids. And he's not. They just made him this dog that they have to take care of. Yeah, I I just think it wasn't executed well. I I do agree on like the coloring and the prosthetics weren't bad. Like, I just think the way they shaped his face didn't fit no a person it didn't and his the way they wrapped his head looked really weird yeah it didn't look accurate to mummy wrappings and it just i don't know i don't know what was up with it but it looked weird also i don't know if the hands were gloves but it looked like gloves the way it was (laughs) wrapped it looked like gloves like it didn't look like it was connected to the rest of his arm yeah, um, the wrapping, the way they wrapped this mummy in this movie, you, I just didn't believe that there was a human body under it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And going back to the acting, and I don't know if this was an actor's choice, a director's choice, um, but both Harold and Kubot were played a lot like caricatures. Yeah. They were just very over the top. And that has its place. That has its place in specific films and storylines. But this one, it felt out of place and very, I don't know, like stark compared to everything else. Yeah. Kubot, I wrote that down. Kubot isn't scary. He's not even threatening. At any, there was not a single point where I was concerned for the safety of these kids because of Kubot. He was just intense. He was just like like an asshole neighbor. He wasn't your creepy, scary neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think if Kubot maybe was played a little more subtle and like quiet and like yeah. creepy, I think that could have hit harder. But he was just very loud and intense in this movie. And I don't know yeah. if that was like the actor's choice, the director's choice, but it just, it didn't fit with like the kids and the rest of the characters. And for Harold, I can give a little more because it's a mummy. It's not, you know, it's a fictional, you know, character that you can kind of play around with a little more. Um, But Kubot, I was just like, I don't really believe this as a human like he seems so one note because of how intense and loud he was the whole time yeah and you know what you mentioning like you could kind of give leeway for harold i can see that but also i just feel like they missed the point of the first movie in remaking this in that like you don't love the movie because oh it's a mummy and like that I mean, you do. That's a big part of it. The mummy is funny mm-hmm. and he gets into hijinks. But the, I think the, what made the first movie so special is that Harold was a person mm-hmm. that you could connect to and you saw that he was in love. And yeah, like, you know, mummy on a skateboard, classic. But <laughs> at the end of the day, Harold cared about Marshall yeah. and he cared about Gilbert and Amy. Like, I just, I don't think that that's something that I I think should have been compromised for the, quote, comedy of the movie. I completely agree. I think they missed the mark um, in writing Harold. Um, I think they took out 
the good parts of him in this one. Yeah. And the nuance, like you said earlier, I think especially in Harold, they took all of that out. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely disappointing. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> we are we are dumping on this movie. I feel so bad. But I, I do want to bring up this moment because it is something that we talked about in the last episode. Uh very specifically. And it is the moment at the end where Gilbert becomes so afraid that he says he has to leave and he can't go through with the plan to save Harold. And in the original movie, which I I, like, I don't want to compare contrast too much, but we literally said in the last episode how much we loved that Gilbert said he was too afraid and Marshall said, that's okay. I, You're afraid and I respect that. This is a scary situation. And we even said, like, they could have played it where Marshall was mean to Gilbert and was like, Harold's your friend and you're such a chicken. And that's what they did in this movie. Yeah. They took out that beautiful moment between Gilbert and Marshall that highlighted their friendship. And I just I loved that movie, that moment so much in the first movie. And they just completely took it out. And there was a moment at the beginning where you, I think it was after they came out of the movie or they were like walking to school. I don't remember exactly what was going on. Um, but Marshall was talking to Gilbert about how he wants to help him overcome his fears. And, you know, and I was like, oh, good. Yeah. They kept this. I was like, awesome. Okay. At least they have that bond and that friendship. I was like, I hope that lasts through the movie. And then when the moment you're talking about happened, I deflated. I was like, yeah, I was so looking forward to have still having that in this movie. And the fact that they did exactly what we were afraid they were going to do. I just I my heart sank. And yeah. I was like, that was such a good moment for like young boys to see that it's OK mm -hmm. to be scared. And if you're too scared, that's fine. You don't have to do something yeah. that scares you. And. To respect your friends. Yes. You know? Yeah. And the fact that they did the exact opposite was disheartening. Yeah. And I also think it makes Gilbert's character more dynamic to where he's not being guilted into being brave. He makes the choice himself. And that bravery comes from within him. And I think that's such a more dynamic choice than having him guilted into going back and saving the day. Yeah. I I agree. I I think the um the moment with Gilbert and the owl was an interesting choice. <laughs> what the heck was that? I mean, him talking to himself was like kind of funny, like going back and forth with himself. But I was like, because yeah. they did the whole like the owl hooing or whatever, Says, and then who? And then Gilbert responding. I was like, okay, I get where they're trying to go with this, but like, what is happening? But you know what? In that moment, I could tell that this child actor was good, yeah. but they were just cutting all the air out of his monologue. Yeah. And that air was necessary. That moment could have been so much funnier if they left the air in it. Yeah, I liked seeing that singular Gilbert moment. It was weird. Yeah. And I was confused. <laughs> it was very weird. But I liked but... seeing that Gilbert moment of him kind of talking to himself and figuring out what he wants to do and how he wants to go about the I situation. I wish it had been, I just wish it had been a little more 
emotional rather than funny. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of parts in this where I was like, you really could put more heart in this, but you're trying to go funny and the jokes aren't landing. Yeah. I have two technical notes. Um, the transitions were weird. The specifically the leaf transition. I did not like that. (laughs) They the first time I saw it, I was gonna write it down, and I was like, "No, it's not that. It's not worth talking about." And then it happened a second time, and I was like, "Hmm, okay." And then it happened a third time. And I was like, what? Why do they keep doing this leaf transition? Yeah, I was not a fan. I, I was the same way. I was like, okay, I'm going to note the leaf transition and see if it comes up again. And then it kept coming up. And I was like, no, this is Can you wrong. explain? Can you explain to the listeners what this transition looked like? So, there, so at the end of a scene, it was literally just an outdoor scene, I guess. It was just like of a house and a street. And then a very animated orange leaf flew in <laughs> to the shot and like obviously got so close to the camera that it, you know, faded to black and then went into another scene. It was it was the extremely animated leaf that really got me yeah. about this transition. And they did it three times. And it was the exact same transition. It wasn't from a different side or a different angle. It came from the same no. angle, the same swoop every no, time. They reused reused the same animation three yeah. times. I just I hated Nuts. it. Um and then my other one was <sighs> the score. What was happening? There was a point <laughs> where it sounded like Tarzan mixed with like horror movie suspense music. And then <laughs> like a couple scenes later, it was very loud, distracting hip hop music. I just didn't understand. I can't. And tell there you. was also a moment where like an actual song was playing. I don't know what song it was, but it was an actual song. And they used it as a transition. It didn't make sense. It didn't fit. And then they used the mom turning it- off the Alexa that was playing that song. And I was like, that was so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Was it the uh, China and McLean's calling all the monsters? Because I clocked that in this movie. Do you oh, know that maybe. Song? I don't know that song. You don't know that one? It was a hit. It was like at the end of our Disney Channel like era. Like okay. very end. It was when I I think I was like moving out, but I remember that song. I'm sure some people know it, but it's like it's Chi- you know China and McLean. Yeah. 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 It she has the song and her she and her sisters just put out like they remastered it. Oh, and okay. it's like it's a bop. Like <laughs> it's like calling all the monsters. I don't know. I can't sing too much. I don't want to get sued. Um, but it's a bop. They played that in the in the dance scene. So maybe it's not what you're talking about. But it was just like a random moment where they put like a real song in there. And then Mm -hmm. it played like maybe three or four lines. And then she like turned it off. And I was like, that transition was so clunky and so weird that it wasn't necessary. Yeah. But the score was just so weird to me. I have uh, a I have like one technical note and then one quick 
little uh, script thing. I'll do the little okay. script thing first. When they are breaking into Kubot's house, that window opened way too easy. The yeah. window was literally just like they didn't have to work to get in there at all. And you're telling me this man who deals in stolen antiquities just leaves windows open in his house? I I also they didn't mention that he was gone or anything like that. Like they yeah, they did. Did they? Yeah, they said they said he's not home. Or they were like his car's not here and the lights aren't on. But that to me, I'm like, he can come home literally any second. Like, why yeah, would you do you're that? Right. You, you need to make sure this man is not going to be in his home for a while if yeah. you're going to break into his home. And yeah. it was just one of those things that and I guess I didn't hear that, but the whole time when they were like screaming in his house, I'm like, other people are going to hear screaming from his house and be like, what is happening in Kubot's house? Like, yeah. And he's not dead in this movie, so you don't right. have that cover of safety. Yeah, like they so, weren't being discreet at all. They were also hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And my last note is the amulet. There's a scene where they are at Buzzy's, which I I also I didn't like Buzzy very much. I thought that she was trying really hard to make these 12-year-olds think she was cool, and I thought that was weird as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Um but so they were at Buzzy's and they're like trying to do mummy research and they she like flips over the amulet and it's not engraved on the back of the amulet. It is printed. Like, like it looks like it was made in China. <laughs> printed on the back of this amulet. These hieroglyphs. And I just, it, it literally, it just, it looked like it was printed. It was so cheap. It took me fully out of it. How, like, anybody looked at that and was like, I will clear this for you to put it in the movie. It looks fine. <laughs> yeah, it looked like something you would get from a Halloween store as a costume. Yeah, spirit, straight up, spirit Halloween. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the front of the amulet was cool. But then when they yeah. turned it over and it was just a flat slab and... It had With printed, printed, yeah, like hieroglyphs Very on clear. it. Very <laughs> clear. It and it didn't like fit the amulet. It was like awkwardly spaced on the amulet. Yeah, I was also, like, this you looks really, terrible. Like, if you think about it, they're not gonna put the instructions on the back of the amulet. Yeah, didn't they find out in the original movie through like the book that was at yeah, the like museum? A book. Yeah, yeah, like that makes sense. <laughs> why would it be written <laughs> on the back of the amulet yeah so um the, i guess that's it this is probably the longest we've spent on dislikes and i just want to say i don't like being negative i really like we both kind of went into this being like ah uh, you know we don't want to be mean to the movie because people did work very hard on this but i think for me I think a lot of people will write it off as being like, it's a kid's movie. It's yeah. fine not being very good. And in my opinion, I think that kids deserve a lot better than yeah. movies that are bad or just okay. 
And like, that's something like I, I would love to be a writer someday. And that I think kids movies, kids TV is a great medium that can do a lot of work and help like shaping children's morals and everything. And I just, I think kids deserve better. (laughs) Yeah, I, I completely agree. I was very disappointed that this was how it was remade. Because although there are some things in the original that I'm like, I don't think kids should be talking about this. (laughs) Um, But I think the overall message was a lot better in the original. And it was executed a lot better. And I think they kind of took that out. Um, And I, I just, I guess I, this is, this may sound bad, but I feel bad that this is the version that kids today are getting. Because I just don't feel like it was executed in a way that gives them what they really could have gotten out of this movie does that make sense yeah and the fact that the original isn't on disney plus yeah for maybe parents who loved the original to be able to show their kids yeah i don't which is why you should buy it for five (laughs) dollars on itunes not spawn (laughs) this is not this is not sponsored but it could be (laughs) Listen, we love the 1997 version. Um, <laughs> but I I feel like that's also just a, a reboot or like a remake thing. It's, it's hard to make everyone happy, um, mm-hmm. especially for people like us who love the original. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think they just did a disservice to this movie by remaking it, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I'm of the opinion that I don't think you should remake a movie unless you have a concrete reason to do so. Like, you looked at this movie and you were like, this is something that needs to be changed. This was a good movie, but this is a big thematic thing that I think we need to put in and we could do better. And f- I don't think that there was a reason Like, uh, from this movie that we just watched, it wasn't clear to me what they felt needed to be changed so bad to warrant remaking the movie. Yeah, I agree. There was, there was no feeling of, oh, I'm so glad they did that. Like, they changed that. Um, A lot of the changes, I was like, but why? Um, And that's, that's just like the unfortunate truth of this remake. There are some great remakes and there are some not so great remakes. Remakes are very, very, yeah, miss. very hit or miss, very iffy. And I appreciate all of the work that was put into this one. And mm-hmm. and the kids, I thought, are yeah. good. I, I'm excited to see where these kids go in the future. I agree. I, I think they did the best with what they could. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see like you said, where they go. And I hope they get a chance to really dive into a script that gives them the chance to breathe and really have those moments that I feel like they probably had, but it just got cut in the end, you know? Yeah. Um, But I I do appreciate all the work that was done on this movie, no matter how, you know, we view it. Some other people may absolutely adore this movie. And that's who this is for. You know, like, that's what this movie is for. And that's fine. These are all opinions. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) this is just our opinions today. Yeah. Uh, 
And with that, I would love to move to some fashion Yes. Me too. Because uh, the one thing that I loved about this movie was Amy's outfits. Yeah, she had some great looks. She had some really cute pants in the first scene. And then the thing I loved the most... Oh, well, she also had cute overalls later. But the thing I loved the most was she had this really cute, like, bumblebee pullover. Yeah. I want it. Where'd she get it? I want it. (laughs) See, I loved the overalls with her she her pronoun patch. Oh, I didn't notice that. I was like... I love a good pronoun patch. Like that's so cute on some Aww. overalls. Um, I would yeah, love. I, I would that. love a pair of overalls with a pronoun patch for me. I I think that was so that cute. That would be cute. Um, I also, although like Buzzy wasn't my favorite character, I loved her kind of like earth tone hippie vibe, especially yeah. in her like this scene where she was like reading the amulet. I'm like, this feels very mm-hmm. like tarot reader you know, love spirituality kind of vibe. And I'm into that. The only fashion thing I didn't like was I thought that Harold's disguise was a little lame. Yeah. I, I did love his sunglasses though. Those were dope. They were fun. Those were so fun. (laughs) They were cute. Um, I think the mom's ringmaster costume was cute. It was. I I liked that. And the, the Halloweaster bunny. That was, that was interesting. That was funny. That was fun. That was something. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was different. It was. It was different, but it was wholesome. Yeah. Um, I the one thing I was not a fan of was um, Marshall's director beret. <laughs> <laughs> Just I was like, no, didn't need that. Um, but I think my favorite piece of clothing in this movie was. In Gilbert's costume, like the dark green floral suit jacket. Yeah. I was like, hold on. If you like actually put that into like a nice outfit, that could be cute. Yeah. Also, I think he could have pulled it off. If he had like a like dark green pants, I think that could have been a slick outfit. Although <laughs> slick. <laughs> he I mean, the big belt was a little much. But um, yeah. I thought the suit jacket was like really cool. I also think it looked good on him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I know this movie came out three weeks ago. Yes. So <laughs> I don't, I don't think anyone knows where these actors are now. But I would love to know where they've been. Well, let me tell you. So we're gonna start off with Malachi Barton, who plays Marshall. So he is 14. Wow. And he's done a decent amount of Disney projects. Um, He looks young for 14. He does. He does. And he's been a series regular on a series called Stuck in the Middle. And he also played a role in the Jesse spinoff, Bunked. Okay. And he has done multiple voice acting roles with Disney animated movies. And he also played six-year-old Diego in the new live-action Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Oh, I bet he was a cute Diego. Oh, I know. It it probably was so Oh, great. I want to see that. I liked him. He was cute. Yeah, and I mean, he's been in a decent amount of stuff. He He's making that Disney money. Yeah. Good for him. At 14? <laughs> killer. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> 
Next, we have Christian J. Simon, who played Gilbert. Now, he's, right. he surprised me. Um, oh. He's 13, and he's okay. been nominated for an Emmy. <gasps> or, or two Emmys, I'm sorry. He's been nominated two. for two Emmys as both an actor and a voice actor. So his nomination for as an actor was in Sydney to the Max and for his voice oh. acting in Tots. Um he also him and his voice have appeared in a lot of other like series and shorts mm-hmm. since I think he started working in 2016, if I'm correct. Wow. Um but you can also see him uh in the amazing world of Gumball Darwin's yearbook as a voice actor hmm. and in the short Amon and the Light Warriors where he plays the lead Amon. Okay. Yeah. So, he, I liked him. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I I was a big fan of him. I I Yeah. I like all three of the kids. I think they all the have were a lot of potential. Yeah, for sure. And so lastly, we have Sophia Hammonds who played Amy and she is 14. And she has a decent amount of films under her belt at 14. She actually had her debut in a Netflix docudrama called The Social Dilemma, which oh, okay. The Social Dilemma as a, a series was nominated for seven Emmy Awards. I have heard really good things about that. Me too. I've been wanting to watch it and I for, I forgot about it, but I've heard amazing things about it. Well, you will see Sophia Hammond in it and... I I love that. I love that that's her debut and how widespread yeah. it is. Um, she also was recently in the romantic drama Keyhole Garden, starring Zoe Saldana, which is exciting. That okay. came out in 2020. Um, mm. And she's done some other credits for like a film called Dirt, and she's done a performance for a Disney Plus special called Disney Princess Remix, where... She played Ariel, and she sang and danced to an upbeat contemporary version of Part of Your World. So she also does some musical theater. Sounds fun. Yeah. All of the Disney kids do. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm surprised we didn't hear it from the boys. Um, yeah. They'll be next. Yeah. <laughs> so I I want to hear some fun facts. Oh, yes. The fun facts. Can't forget <laughs> I almost about those. forgot. Um, well, I don't have many because the movie is so new. Um, however, so this is the first Disney Channel original movie to be a remake of another Disney Channel original movie. I wonder if that's going to be a thing. Is that going to ha- I don't know. Be a trend? I don't know. I I I hope not. I don't really love remakes. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I like I if you can do it cool, like, I haven't watched this, but I've heard High School Musical, the musical, the series is really good. That sounds like a really cool way to do a spinoff of a classic. I wouldn't so much love to see, like, a remade Cheetah Girls or a remade Camp yeah. Rock, you know? Yeah, I I think spinoffs are fun because you have, sequels. A, you have a little more creativity and it's a little more open. You can do more with that. Yeah. Than a and it's traditional a, remake. Yeah. And it's its own thing. So you don't get as much comparison. Or I would love like a 10 years later sequel of a lot of things. Yeah. But 
Yeah. They they did a remake of Freaky Friday and mm-hmm. they did like a live action Kim Possible remake, but this is the first Disney Channel original movie to be a remake of another DCOM. Thought that was cool. Yeah. And then this fun fact is um not very fun. It's actually a sad fact. Oh. Um, uh we'll call it a sta- a sad statistic. Um <laughs> This movie was the lowest rated decom in history with only 0.4 million viewers on premiere night. Wow. That's yeah. sad. And I I don't know what you can attribute that to. I think it could be some people not very hyped for the movie, some people maybe boycotting for the original, or it could be the decline in people watching cable these days. Everything is streaming. Also, and so, maybe this is because we're kind of out of the age bracket of who they're marketing mm-hmm. to, but I didn't hear a bunch about this movie up until like right before it came out. Yeah. I mean, I'm really not on any platform to where it would be advertised to me, so I can't speak to that much. Right. But, I mean, that could be another factor where, because, you know, streaming, you don't get a lot of big marketing for a lot of, like, streaming movies and TV shows like you do with traditional, like, cinema movies that only Mm -hmm. come out in theaters, you know? Yeah. Um, So that is... It's a sad. sad fact. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So I guess it's time to kind of like wrap up our thoughts, give some final thoughts, <laughs> and then put this into a ranking. Okay. Uh, I, you you go first. What are your? Let's wrap up your thoughts. Um, this movie, I, to be honest, is just not my favorite. I, I think there were a lot of changes that just didn't really work. Um, and I think throughout the entire movie, I was kind of just wishing it was more like the original. And, and I hate, I hate saying that, um, because I have such a fondness to the original movie now. I, I think this one just didn't stack up and I, I appreciate them, you know, doing the work that they did. But I just don't think for me, it it hit. I don't think it hit yeah, right. I think, I think it missed the mark in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, it had absolutely no heart in it. Um, the script was just not very good at all. Uh, and they had a really good foundation because, you know, like we said in the last episode, we thought this general story was really good. Yeah. And so they had a good foundation, but the script just didn't do them any favors. And then the fact that there was not a single beat in the whole movie, um, it just kind of made me a little sad. Like, I don't think I would carve a pumpkin to this movie. Yeah. I, um, I probably won't watch it again. I unfortunately would not recommend this movie to anyone. It, yeah. If I would recommend it under wraps, it would be the original it's the first and, and and that's not even a recommendation that's me forcing you to watch <laughs> <yeah>. it <laughs> and i just i was excited to see how how much they could do with it now and i just don't think they did i don't think they did what 
they had the potential to do. Yeah, for sure. But the kids were good, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see where they go. So, uh, I guess, I think we're, I, I'm certain we're on the same page with putting Under Wraps 2021 at the bottom of our list. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that puts our list at five movies. Also, happy Halloween, you guys. This comes out on Halloween. We forgot to say that. Happy Halloween. <laughs> it's it's not Halloween for us right now when we're recording, but I hope you guys are having a good Halloween. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that'll put the ranking at Under Wraps 1997 at the top, followed by Halloween Town Twitches, Phantom of the Megaplex, and the new Under Wraps at the bottom. Uh, it's our fifth episode. Uh I hope you guys have liked the podcast so far, if you keep coming back. Yeah, this has been a, a whole wow. month of the podcast. So uh, oh, It's been so much fun. It, I, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I hope all the listeners are enjoying as much as we are. Yeah. We have a great time making this podcast. Yeah, we really do. we hope do. you guys have a great time listening to it, too. Yeah, and I hope you guys watch the movies, too, because, like, I, for me, this is just an excuse to watch a decom every week and talk to my best friend. So yes. <laughs> I, I hope that you guys are like watching the movies. It's a fun time. Uh, and if you've made it this far, I hope you continue to listen to next week's episode where we will be reviewing Xenon, the girl of the 21st century. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, I love doing the spooky month ones, but I'm glad that we can get into some, you know, uh, classic decoms that aren't holiday themed. Uh, yes. And I am pumped for Xenon. I loved Xenon as a kid. Me too. I'm so excited to rewatch this one and just totally go back into nostalgia. Yes. And all three Xenons are on Disney Plus. So no worry trying to watch it. Yeah. Very, very, very excited for Xenon. So, Megan, where can you find us online? Well, you can find us on Instagram at Disney Channel Unoriginal Pod. Also, if you like us, please rate us five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. And you can also leave us a review and let us know what decom you want to hear about next. Yeah, leave us a review if you like us. Comment on our Instagram. Heck, even text us. I don't know. If you like it, tell us. <laughs> okay, don't, don't we... text me. I won't text you back. <laughs> <laughs> Just text me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my number is... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> we get very we personal release... on this podcast. Yeah, we're all friends. Uh, we <laughs> release new episodes every Sunday. So until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. And you've been listening to D-Cup. The Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>